Hi, everyone. It is season two of the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Sigenfus. Join my friends and me as we share conversations about little things, big things, all the things. This is your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. Welcome back to another episode of the Let It Be podcast. If you've been hanging out with us all of 2021, you have already heard from my guest today. It was a few months ago that I had my bestie Amber Ayers on and we were talking about friendships. But I also mentioned at the time that she has a pretty amazing story of where she is today considering where she came from and the months and years that were rather dysfunctional in her background growing up. And so I invited her back so that she could share her story and you could hear just what God has really done through family members in her life, through her own heart, through the church that she grew up in, and many other things that God put in her path in order to really change the course of where she was headed. So Amber, thank you so much for coming back today. I'm excited to hear your story. It has been quite a while since I have heard the details, so I think it's going to be really impactful for everyone to hear what you have to say today. So thanks for coming back. Of course. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'm a little nervous to share everything, but I think it, well, I mean, not really. It's just, you know, when you think about your story, there's so much I, I want to share and I it's like you don't want to skip some of the great things, right. but it's like, you know, we have a limited amount of time. So <laughs> it's like, Lord, please work through me as I share this. <laughs> and and I do want to say up front that you have a wonderful family. Yes. And um, what you have come from is nothing that was chosen for you yep. or, you know, any fault of your own or any fault of yep. the people who are in your circle. Yep. Um, but it's just kind of the story right. that, that God wrote for you yeah. and the way that he has worked through it. So it's, I really cannot remember how long it's been since I've heard all of the details, but I do remember that the first time I heard all of them, it was a mixture of emotions of my jaw hitting the floor <laughs> mixed with like a lot of humor as well as, I really cannot believe that you are such a normal person based on some of the experiences or you had. am I <laughs> as a child. <laughs> so why don't you just kind of start from the beginning? Um, yeah, I'll just, I, I was going to give some details, but I'll just yeah. let you go ahead and take it from here. Okay. Well, I, I will start with actually how I came into the world only because it just lays the foundation of, mm-hmm. you know, my life story. So my mom got pregnant with me when she was 16 years old. Um, I do not know who my biological father is. I really don't even know his, I know his first name. Um, but she, um, and, and honestly the story surrounding that has changed a couple times. So mm. I'm not even confident in how I came to be, you know, how she was conceived with me. <laughs> um, and so, um, so anyway, um, but she got pregnant with, with me when she was 16. And then shortly after she started dating the man whom I call my father mm-hmm. and she, my mother told my grandmother that it was his child. So mm-hmm. my grandmother said, well, you guys are going to do the right thing and, and you're going to get married. So in, in their wedding photos, she is like, I don't even know, eight or nine months pregnant. 
and her and the wedding photos. So at this time, she's I think she just turned seventeen, and she's getting married. That you know, unbelievable. Yeah, and the man I call my father is was eighteen or nineteen, and so anyway, um, obviously it wasn't like they courted for a very long period of time. But she was already pregnant when she met my father. Yeah, and then um, and then they got married. And then shortly after, I don't even know what month they were married in, but I was born in February. I want to stop just for a second really fast because there's this picture that I remember you showing me that it's it, it's so vivid. I mean, I can see it right now where it's your grandma yep, and your mom. Yes. And you are on the hip of your grandma, I think, yes, right? you're absolutely right. I, yeah. And your mom, the way she's standing looks like she has just painted her nails. And she did, actually. She <laughs> did. She, she doesn't want to touch anything. Yes. She's like got her arms kind of out to the yes, side yes. in this group picture. Yeah. And it, it's just so, and she's young. Oh my so, goodness. Well, yeah, she was probably that in point, that picture, like 18, 18 or 19. Yeah. yeah. At that picture. And wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, so, so, um, so sing, well, not single mom, but definitely young, super yeah, young, mom. super young mom and super young dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, so anyway, we lived on the West side of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I grew up on the West side of Cincinnati mostly. And, um, early on my grandparents were my mother's parents were heavily involved with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because my parents were so young, they, they really were worried about me. Um, sure. And so I was with them a lot growing mm-hmm. up. Thank, thank goodness for that. Um, and then seven years after I was born, uh, I, my mom had another little boy, my brother. Mm-hmm. And so he's about seven, about seven years younger than me. Um, so it was me and my brother. Um, there's a lot I can share um, <laughs> between that time. Um, but I'll kind of jump in, I'll kind of fast forward to when my brother was a couple years old. So mm-hmm. at that point, you know, I'm nine years old. Um, my parents were not Christians. Um, they were involved with a lot of illegal activities. And, and because of that, we moved constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were moving sometimes months mm-hmm. would pass just months and we would be moving again. And I didn't know why I just thought, you know, that was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think it was because maybe they were running from the law. I really, I, 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 I you know, looking back, mm-hmm. but what stands out, I think in my mind, this, this like pivotal moment in my story, um, was we, we had this little ranch house on Banning road on the West side. And if people know that side, they're mm-hmm. going to know where Banning road is off of Corian Avenue. And, um, my brother and I shared, it was a two little two bedroom ranch and my brother and I shared a bedroom. And in that bedroom, there was a mattress on the floor and, that, and that's where we slept. And, um, I would go into bed with him and he was a rowdy little one. And so I always felt even, even as a young girl, I mean, you know, at this age, I'm what I'm nine, maybe 10 mm-hmm. years old. So he's like two or three, like a he's toddler. Two, yeah. He's a yeah. small toddler. Mm-hmm. And I always felt this sense of like heavy, like a burden, like a responsibility for him. Like Mm -hmm. I needed to care for him and uh, protect him really because a lot of that stemmed from my parents had a very abusive relationship with each other Mm -hmm. verbally, physically. I mean, there were um, times I remember there were kitchen knives involved in their fights. And, and I mean, it was, I mean, when I say knock down drag out fights, it was scary. Mm -hmm. And so I 
felt this heaviness of like trying to protect him from that. Mm-hmm. So this one particular evening, um, we go to bed and um, I started to hear this, just this banging and screaming and all this stuff going on. And I thought, well, they're just fighting again, you know. So we just stayed put. But this time it was like it was different. And I and I and I heard other voices. And so I thought, oh, what who's out here? What's going on? So as I opened the door to my bedroom, and I'm trying to keep my my little brother like corralled in there, um, I see my mom handcuffed to the kitchen chair, and she's actually bouncing around in the kitchen chair handcuffed like a cat almost being forced into water just fighting it that hard and fighting it so hard she ended up flipping the chair and there she was laying and and I, of course I'm shocked because there's there's six ten you know policemen and most like SWAT gear in the house and then I see my dad um, sitting on the sofa and we made eye contact and I remember him and it really it almost makes me emotional thinking about it because he had this somber, regretful look in his eye when he glanced over and, and he saw that I saw them. Mm. And, and I thought, I, and I didn't, I was young. I didn't know what had happened, but I thought, what did they do? <laughs> like, you know, what has happened in this moment? And then there goes my little brother bouncing by and this huge police officer was in front of me and just said, sweetheart, just stay here, stay back here. And I was like, well, can you go get my little brother, you know? So he tried to get him and corral him. And um, in that moment, I remember thinking, I don't want to be like this as a parent. And I, mm. I, I just thought I, I was, I was angry with my parents in that mm-hmm. moment, very angry because I thought, how could they do this? Mm-hmm. Like what have, I didn't even know what they did. Right. And so, um, once I learned that they had been dealing drugs, mm-hmm. um, the, the man that they had just sold to apparently had left and got caught. Mm. And so to lessen his sentence or whatever that situation was, he gave up who his dealers were and mm-hmm. his dealers were my parents. And so they, um, they ended up serving time separately. I remember my mom being in a halfway house, um, but thankfully because of my grandparents stepping mm-hmm. in, we were able to stay with them. We didn't have to go into foster care. Um, and because they had children, my parents, mm-hmm. they didn't place them at the same time so mm-hmm. that we could still have a parent home. Um, and that was one of the <laughs> moments that I just was like, I don't know that my family life is normal. <laughs> Were your grandparents Christians at this time? Yes, my grandparents were Christians at this time. So you had that foundation with them and that stability. And that stability. And and there was something so different about them that when I would go stay with them, and here's the funny thing. They, so our, our little ranch house at that particular season of life, because we moved a lot, Mm -hmm. was on Banning Road. They lived, I mean, I don't even know if it was a mile down the street from us. I mean, you could walk down Banning and then on Acre Drive was the name of their street. And, and it was right down the street. So I was there all, I the, mean, time. all the time. Mm-hmm. It was respite for me. It was, sure. I loved being there. Um, and, and, uh, spent a lot of time there. It was peaceful. There was just mm-hmm. something different about their life and the way they lived. Did they even know the extent of what you and your brother were experiencing in your home? No, I don't think so. I think they, um, 
they knew a lot, but my, and you know, and, and, and my mom and my dad may listen to this and, and that's okay. And I'm, I'm at peace with that. And they, and I, we've had conversations, Mm -hmm. but my mom was, was a master manipulator and a really good liar. And I think she, um, she hid a lot from them, you know, and I mm-hmm. partly being ashamed and knowing, mm-hmm. but she, she also would, you know, kind of threaten to, I mean, there was, it was just so much. So I, I don't think they knew everything. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, as a kid, you know, I don't even think that I shared a lot because I, to me, it was just what I was used to. Right. You didn't know differently. No, I didn't know to say, oh, by the way, did you know mom and dad? It just wasn't just something that I even thought to just was life, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I was, I guess, nine or 10 at that point. And my grandma used to go, she used to be a camp counselor. And so, um, (laughs) I would I would go with her even when I was too little to actually attend the camp mm-hmm. as a camper. Mm-hmm. She would just bring me along and I loved going. And then eventually I was at the age where I could go as a camper. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she would, she would take me along and I loved going to church camp. Um, but I had this horrible secret that I was so embarrassed about that I was a bedwetter till I was like a freshman in high school. And so, <laughs> I, I do remember this and part of your story. I, I, you know, now looking back, I, well, maybe I know why I was, I mean, trauma, yeah. maybe, right. I don't know. Right. But I, I, every night I would say to myself, okay, you're awake. You're awake. I'd pinch myself and I would, I would be sitting on the toilet and sure enough, I'd wake up and I was laying in my bed. <laughs> so I would go to these church camps and I would be so afraid because mm-hmm. I knew I would wet the bed at church camp. So my grandma, God love her, as an adult now, when you look back on things and you think as a parent, I know, with your own children, yes. the things that, you know what I mean? Yes. That she, she covered up for me, yes. you know? So we would go and she, I remember we would put plastic over the camp mattress and then my sheet. And I remember my, my friend saying, what's that plastic for? My mom didn't bag me any of that. And she's like, well, bugs. And they're like, bugs? We don't want bugs. What? Do you have plastic for us? And I was like, I'm special. You know, I'm like, they had no idea, right. you know? And so, um, um, and I, sure enough, I'd wet the bed almost every night. And, and um, I would go in the shower in the morning and she would just say, leave your stuff. And then when you all leave the cabin for breakfast, I'll wash your sheets in the sink. I'll hang them. And we had a clothesline. It was mm-hmm. like a, a Somerset, Kentucky. And it was a little, um, just, it was just an awesome experience there. Mm-hmm. But they had a clothesline out back of the cabin that we stayed in. So she would hang oh my, my sheets goodness. and they would dry and then we'd do it all again. Um, but at that church camp, um, the gospel was spoken multiple times a day. Yeah. And my, even though I had heard the gospel message, what Christ had done for me. Mm -hmm. I, I think I had honestly a little bit of anger and bitterness in my heart Mm -hmm. towards this God who would allow, Mm -hmm. once I got old enough, why would this God allow me to live in a home like this? Mm -hmm. And I, and I just felt like just a little bit of anger. Sure. And and, and as I got a little older, jealousy of seeing other family relationships and how mm-hmm. they functioned. And I started to see the difference. And so 
this week, this particular week at this church camp, um, God began to soften my heart. Um, you don't have to be so tough, Amber. You don't have to be so independent. And I am trustworthy and I do love you. And just things that I was like, just, you know. Well, after that week, um, came back home from church camp. And that night I had stayed the night with my grandparents before going back home. And probably my grandma did all the laundry and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Right. And I, they had a spare bedroom in the back. And um, I was back there and I just couldn't. I couldn't settle myself to sleep mm-hmm. and I just felt the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart and just that my eternity needed to be secured. And I just, and that this, and this is what really softened my heart was that I remember laying there thinking, this is not your permanent home, Amber. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, I just was like, oh, you mean, this is temporary. Like, I really, as a kid, remember laying there going, and, and my, like, feeling thankful that this wasn't my permanent home, that God had a, another place for me. Mm. And I just couldn't sleep. And so I got up, and I walked out in the living room. My grandpa was sitting out in mm. front of the TV in his recliner. Mm. And I just somberly came walking out. And I said, Papa, and, and, he, and I was crying. And he said, sweetheart, what's wrong? You know? And I just did said, did you wet the bed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he did. He probably was like, Oh, Sharon, Sharon, <laughs> you know, and I wore, I, they used to buy me depends too. Like big old depends I would wear. <laughs> um, and I just came somberly walking out and he's like, sweetheart, what's wrong? And I said, Papa, I, I, I want Jesus to be my savior. I, I want to spend eternity in heaven with him. And of course he, you know, he's, in tears crying and he calls for my grandma. I think she was probably in the kitchen and she came out and I remember him saying, this is a personal relationship. And so why don't you pray? Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember that night, um, I asked God to be the Lord of my life. I asked Jesus, um, to be the ruler of my life and, and, um, to secure my eternity in heaven with him. And, I would love to say that from that moment on Mm -hmm. that everything was just peachy keen and and it wasn't. Um, But from that moment on, there was a difference in me, um, almost a hope that I didn't Mm -hmm. have before that there were times that I just did. I felt hopeless and Mm I um, felt lonely. I really mm-hmm. felt lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of my home life. And, um, and because we moved a lot, I didn't get close to people. Right. So I, um, I kept my young friends at arm's length for multiple reasons. I thought, well, what's the point I'm going to move again? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, you know, what's the point? They're going to think my family's crazy. You know, they don't, they're not going to want to be friends with me. Um, and so I just learned to guard myself. Mm-hmm. Walls up. Yeah. Walls up. And, um, but after that decision, it was as if, you know, God had like, he had given me a hope. He had given me a hope that this isn't, this isn't my permanent home. And that almost like a freedom that, um, a peace that washed over me that was like, this isn't my permanent home. So 
maybe I can lighten up a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, so anyway, um, my parents ended up getting divorced. Um, how old were you? Well, when I ended up moving, I think it was in seventh grade. How old are you in seventh grade? 11, 12, 13, 13. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not long after that, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, because I had, it might, it might have been a little before that because it might have been after we had moved from banning after that whole debacle mm-hmm. with the SWAT team and all that because I remember I, my dad ended up moving to Louisville on his own mm-hmm. and my brother and I moved into this little apartment complex called Mary Beth Apartments right down the road again from there and it was just my brother and I with my mom and oh man, I did not like that. Uh, place. Um, my mom was gone a lot. I remember her being gone a lot. So were you, ho- you and your brother home a lot? A lot by ourselves. As young, little, little kids. Still. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm in sixth grade, mm-hmm. fifth, sixth grade, I guess. At and that you're time. watching a, whatever he would have yes, been at that time, seven, five or six, seven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember days that, that, um, he, you know, he, he wouldn't, I don't know if he was in kindergarten, maybe first grade. Um, me missing school because I, he was still there. Mm. And so I was like, I can't, he can't be home by himself. And I, you know, I don't know why I never called my grandparents being down the street in certain situations. I just, I just didn't, I just dealt with things. I don't know. Um, but I think there was one situation where I was like, I cannot, I cannot live here with, with this going on with my mom anymore. And, um, she had, um, been gone all night and my brother ended up having an asthma attack Mm. and I was it's frightened me his breathing was like thick and and um when she came home I mean I laid into her and you know I was like what kind of mother are you and I said really hurtful things to her I I don't even remember exactly what I said but I do remember them being hurtful I was so mad at her because I was so afraid Mm -hmm. and she knocked me for a loop I mean Mm -hmm. she it, it was not good. And I was like, well, I have learned my lesson. I will never back talk her again. Um, but it was after that, that I, 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 I was like, I can't, can't do this anymore. So I had called my dad who was in mm-hmm. Louisville and he had gotten remarried to a lady that had two, two girls. And, um, my brother and I ended up moving with and with them in Louisville. So I lived in Louisville for a couple years, my middle school, seventh and eighth grade years. And this is where you learned how to drive. This is where I learned how to drive. <laughs> As a 13-year-old. You have to tell the story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those were, those years, God love my dad. He really, <laughs> he is such a generous, he really is a generous person. And he he did his best. He really did. Um, him and my my new stepmom, they were only married for they were very married for a short period of time. They got divorced again. So my brother and I moved out. We moved out of that apartment complex um, that we had lived in with my dad and stepmom and, and two stepsisters. And so we moved across town. Um, and it was, so then it was just my dad and my brother and I. And we lived in these apartments where I, I don't know exactly where they were or why this happened, but we were in a area where the the school bus wouldn't pick me up from that apartment complex the school bus I had to ride a 
I don't know. It was some type of bus that was like, I I went to a depot and -hmm. then the school bus was there and then it would take me to school. So my bus rides were like, I don't, I want to say a couple hours long Mm -hmm. both ways. So my brother would get on after me and he would even get home before me. And my dad, you know, he, he was a single guy and he worked a lot of hours Mm -hmm. and, um, he was doing his best to make ends meet. And so again, I felt this heavy responsibility for my brother, um, to, to look out for him and care for him. And so, you know, my dad worked these long hours and, and he would come home from work and he's hungry and he's tired. And, you know, I'm tired because I've had this stinking bus ride that's two hours before and two hours after. And, um, and so we're at the apartment and so there was laundry that needed to be done. And so we at it within our apartment complex, it was a huge apartment complex. There was a little laundry facility there. Mm -hmm. And so I asked my dad, you know, it's like, this was my first experience. I was like, listen, I don't know if I asked him or he told me, I, I really cannot remember. Like, why don't you just take the car <laughs> to the laundromat, you know, in the port? <laughs> and I was like, that's actually brilliant because I don't want to carry this huge laundry basket. So um, I took the car and, I, and I, t- I took the car down to the little laundromat. I mean, it wasn't far, but it was, you know, I'm still driving a car at, how old, what, how old I was? 13. I, mean, I really don't even remember. <laughs> so crazy. No. And when I think about that, like my kids, like I would never in a thousand years allow my son cash behind the wheel of a car right now. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. Um, but you and know, that was like normal for you. It really was like, it really, like, I didn't even think about it. And, 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 and I even, you know, I, was going through puberty at that time. Right. And so that time a month came my first time and I didn't have a woman around. My mom mm-hmm. wasn't anywhere to be found. I didn't have my stepmom. My grandma was in Cincinnati and I was in Louisville. And I remember being like, Hey dad, I think I started my period. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I, and he's like, Oh, and I mean, God love him. You know, he was trying to, he was like, what do I do in this? How do I help her? So he gave me the keys of the car and I drove up to the grocery store to buy myself something, you know? And so there I went. I remember being, I did, I was nervous about that because I thought, oh my gosh, what if I get caught driving? Oh my goodness. You know, I wasn't really worried about myself. I was worried about what was going to happen to him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, which is just crazy. But it, I, it just was... I don't know. I don't know if life was different then or if just that generation of parents, you know, was just different. I don't know, but it just, I don't know. So there was so much that happened in that season of life. I mean, I mean, I, and I don't even know if my, my dad knows this story. I don't even know if anybody except my husband knows this story Uh, this, this, but that was, um, right before I moved in with my grandparents, Mm -hmm. I, me and a girlfriend, and I don't even remember which girlfriend it was, was, was that was with me at this time, but we were abducted in a van <laughs> and we, um, we were at that apartment complex and I will say I'm, I'm tall. I'm like five, nine, five, ten, And I always looked older than what I was. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, when I was 13, I looked 16 or 17, mm-hmm. maybe even 18. Um, and we were standing out front of our, my building and it was in the evening, nine o'clock at night, I guess, 10, I don't know. And this van pulls up with, I believe there were college guys in it. 
and just swooped us up and put us in their van. And they lived in the same apartment complex and they took us up into their, their bachelor pad. And I was, I mean, it scared me to death. I mean, Mm -hmm. because they, they were wanting to have their way with us. Thank God nothing happened. Um, but I, I got me and my friend out of there. Um, I don't, honestly, it's almost like, I remember some details I'm not going to share, but, um, I do remember thinking if I have to make a crazy lunatic scene, I've got, I, I always had this way about me that I felt like I had to protect everyone around Mm -hmm. me. And -hmm. it's like, I didn't even care about myself. I was thinking if I'm going to get raped in this situation, I'm going to get raped, but I don't want my friend to be hurt. And I remember she was in a different room than I was. And I remember making up a story and I don't remember what it was, but I remember getting her out of the room and we left. Um, but it was shortly after that that I was like, again, I can't live like this anymore. Like God. And, and I remember thinking, why, you know, why do I have to have these experiences? Mm -hmm. And, and I just want some peace. I just Mm -hmm. want some normalcy. Mm -hmm. And during that season, my grandma and grandpa had been, they were worried sick about Mm -hmm. us because, um, because we were, you know, a few hours away from them and they couldn't just stop and stop in and check in on us. So they had been fervently praying for us and me and my brother and that God would bring, and this is, this was their prayer. And I didn't know this at the time. This is the conversations my grandma and I have had after, as she had said, your grandpa and I, and they would, and I can, it gets me emotional thinking about it because I've, I've seen them do this. So I know, um, it's true, but they, she said they would be by their bedside on their knees, actually mm. on their knees, crying out to God to protect us and to put guardian mm. angels around us. And, and this was what they prayed for God to send someone in, in our life that would just almost be like a, a protector, someone that would come into our life and help us. Mm. And little did they know that that was them mm-hmm. that was going to end up stepping into that role. But, um, my dad would make the trip every other weekend to Cincinnati and we, and we would get to see my grandparents every other weekend. And Mm. I love those trips. There was one particular trip and this is just my dad. So I look nothing like my parents. I am this gigantic tall blonde and my dad is this tiny wiry Italian guy. Mm -hmm. And my mom is super petite like you Mm -hmm. Becky and she's brunette with green eyes. And so, um, I actually didn't even find out, this is totally off the rabbit trail, but I didn't even find out my biological father wasn't my biological father until my oldest daughter was mm-hmm. born um, because I had some issues with the pregnancy and then I ended up finding out. But I always thought, man, I just do not look like I fit here. <laughs> Did your mom know who your dad is? She says she does. Um, she told me his first name, but the last name changed a couple times. Mm. And so I don't know if she really remembers. I mean, she says she does and and she tells me what he looks like. I think she does. I just don't know if she remembers his last name. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, um, I do remember thinking as a teenager and even coming up on those weekends with my dad thinking, I, I just started questioning things like, (laughs) you know, where do I belong? (laughs) What, what is going on? But we would drive every other weekend. My dad would make trip 
every other weekend to drop us off. Um, Which is amazing because they're not his parents. They're not his parents. No. And my dad was so good about, he loved my grandparents and Mm -hmm. they loved him Mm -hmm. and love him. And, um, he would come to every holiday, Mm. even when my mom wasn't there, Mm. he was there and he was there with his ex-in-laws and the family and, and right along with the family. I mean, he was very good about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, one weekend, one particular weekend, and this is just to give you an idea of my dad, he is, he is, he's so generous and he's just, he's just a wiry guy. Mm -hmm. He, um, some people would say he's missing a few more, you know, (laughs) but it's just his personality. He's, he's fun loving. Well, we were on our way to visit my grandparents and we were driving from Louisville to Cincinnati. And as we're making this drive, the sky was just, everything was still. It was just so still. And I remember the sky being still. And as we're driving along the sides of the road, we see all these cars stopped and pulled off along the side of the road. And we're like, is there, there wasn't, there wasn't any rain. And so we're like, is there, what is going on? So we're looking and looking and we're going under this underpass and we see all these cars and then these people up under, out of their cars, up under the underpass. So we're driving and we kind of slow down a little bit because we're like, this is strange. And we're looking around and sure enough, to the right side of the highway, once we got under the underpass and we were kind of down, the road was kind of down in like a gully and the hills were up to the sides of us. We see this, when I say gigantic, I mean, I'm telling you, this tornado that was, I mean, it, it was like a scene from a movie. It was massive. So we were like, my dad goes, well, now I these cars are pulled over. So I'm thinking, great. So you're going to pull over too, right? No, my dad. <laughs> decides, was this in, like, were you, you were heading to Cincinnati? Yeah, I think this was in Boone County, Kentucky. Mm. I don't know why that stands out to me, but I think we were coming through and mm-hmm. yeah, we were come. He was dropping us off on his way to drop us off. And he's like, well, instead of pulling over, he's like, I'm going to outrun it. So he floors the car. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, um, what is he doing? Like, but that's my dad. So he's flooring it, thinking he's going to outrun this tornado. And it happens to go over top of our car. But we were in down in this lower, the road was lower than the, the sides of the grass next to us. Like, And so it goes over us. And it was this... I rem- the windows, I thought they were going to break. The rattling of the windows next to us was just like they were going to explode. I mean, it was crazy. And I wanted to wake my brother up so bad, but my dad was like, don't you dare wake him up. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And then it passes over our heads and goes to the left side. And there was this horse farm and there's the horses running and it hits this barn and the barn just disintegrated. Like it was almost like a deck of cards that you're flicking. Like I, I was like, that was so powerful. And here we were thinking we were going to outrun it and nothing happened. But stories like that happened all the time. My dad one time hit a cow and the cow came in through our windshield. <laughs> we were like, Oh, what did you do today? Well, my dad hit a cow. My, the next day my dad was out running a tornado on the road. Um, so anyway, making those trips from Louisville to Cincinnati. Um, finally I was just I was ready for something different. Yeah. I, you know, so my, I had been praying like, Lord, change something in my life. Me and mine and my brother's life. And my grandparents had been praying, Lord, send somebody into Amber and Sean's life. And 
I don't even know how it came to be. I think I may have asked now that I think about it, I think I may have asked my grandparents if we could just move in with them. Mm. And, and they, they were the answer to, to, mm, our to prayers. their prayers. Yeah. Mm. I didn't give you the heads up at the beginning of this episode, but this will be another two-parter. Sometimes the conversations I have with my guests are just too full to fit into a 30 to 35 minute episode. And so we will hear the rest of Amber's story next week. One of my favorite things about hearing about other people's circumstances is that it brings into perspective my own experiences. And anyone who knows Amber, I'm sure has listened to details of her story that you probably have not heard before and are wondering, how is she the bright light of joy and compassion that those of her friends know her to be having come from such trauma? And so next week, she's going to continue telling us where God has brought her from and where he is taking her to, because as you will hear from her, we are continuing to transform. We are continuing to be rebirthed and continuing to grow to be more like him each and every day. So tune in next week. You can stay up to date with me at Becky Ziegenfuss on all the social media platforms. And thanks for being part of the Let It Be podcast.